Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star. Are you are the party starts now? Well, it is a star style day. I'm your lifestyle coach, and we're going to be talking how to entertain and spruce up your place for summer today. Hello, hello, it's Cynthia Bryan, and this is Star Style Be the Star You Are coming to you live on the Voice America Network. We're on the Empowerment Channel to empower you to stimulate and support space for meaningful, positive conversations, and our program, as always, is brought to you under the auspices of Be The Star You Are charity. So the miracle moment for today is from Be The Star You Are, and we have launched Operation Fire Disaster Relief to help all of those in the California fires. As we were putting this together, the teens on Express Yourself are the ones that are spearheading this, and as they were Putting it together, it seemed that there were more and more fires that were coming up. We started with 13, now there's 17. So please go to bethestarur.org and make a donation so that we can get all the resources out immediately. That's bethestarur.org. And if you click on how you can help, or I think something just comes up and will get you right to Operation Fire Relief. The Miracle Moments from Lutzi. Be content with what you have. Rejoice in the way things are. When you realize there is nothing lacking, the whole world belongs to you. I have to think, stop and think about that. And I always like to really believe that we do have everything we need. I say this all the time to be the writers, producers, directors, and stars of our own life. But so often we just mire ourselves in the minutiae. That's happening in our everyday lives, and everybody has it. Doesn't matter who you are, or where you're from, you're all going to have that. Well, besides uh, just sprucing up our house that we'll be talking about, we're going to talk about how it is to learn a new language and how it can be daunting. But scientists have pinpointed the best time of life to reach fluency. So we'll see if we can become proficient at whatever age. And hammocks are versatile because they are affordable, super space savers. They're flexible and they're easily moved and stored. And they are perfect for camping trips and for companions who come to stay. So we're going to transport our dreams to exotic lands by just installing a hammock in our space or our backyard or our balcony or our patio or whatever you have because when you are swinging in your hammock, you can be anywhere that your imagination takes you. Well, starting off with sprucing up our house just for some summer entertaining, this is something that I think is always uh, really great because summertime is one of those times that you just kind of want to invite friends over, sometimes on the fly, just impromptu, either for you know some drinks or appetizers or to watch a game or you know, maybe to um, 
if you have a pool to swim in your backyard or if you have a yard, you could play Frisbee or whatever. But it's kind of nice when you have your house that looks good. So, you know, you want to put your feet up and sit back swinging that hammock, as I was talking about. But before the guests come to your backyard or your back patio, they're going to have to go through your front entrance first. And first impressions are always the most important. So take a look at what your front door looks like or your front porch or your entry or whatever is out there. You want to make sure that it's clean. So that means sweep away all the dust, wipe out all the cobwebs, you know, um, remove any dirt, get rid of the, the buckets of shoes or, you know, whatever garbage might be hanging around. And sometimes you might even need to do a power washing if you have any tough stains that are there. Or you might even have to spruce it up with a little bit of paint. Then add some color. Now, if you have, if you either own your place or you're in a rental agreement where you are allowed to, to do some painting, how about painting your front door some exciting color? My favorite color for a front door is kind of a... I guess it's a red, it's on the red maroon purplish color because red is supposedly in feng shui, it is uh, the attraction for abundance. So I always think that's kind of a great color to use. It's our theme color for Be The Star. You are actually, and I painted my car, my front door that color. But, you know, other great colors you could do. Um, some people just like to have a painted black door or they love a green door or maybe even a blue door or even like a, a butter yellow. When I was in Dublin recently, one of the most fun things was walking down the street and seeing all the different colors of doors and it was kind of like um, going through a popsicle street or something one door was painted pink and the next one was painted blue and the next one was green and purple and on down the colors of the rainbow and it really was attractive then the other thing is if you have numbers on your apartment or your house, if they've gotten a little bit worn out or maybe you don't have any at all, how about just updating with some new um, brass numbers or metal numbers or something that is going to be really attractive. You can find these at your hardware store, of course, or at your favorite online place. And then very important at the entrance of your house is to have some uh, greenery and that's usually plants or even flowers or whatever I have a mandevilla that's blooming and the colors of the mandevilla are striped um, it's the same color as my door actually that that maroonish red with a little bit of white tinged in it and it looks really great and then I flank my porch with two great big pots of succulents and not cactuses but succulents so they're not spiky or prickly or anything. They're just very pretty and they bloom. And they don't take a whole lot of water. So if you're in a space that you can have a potted plant, think about what would grow there. It's going to need a little bit of sunshine and you are going to have to water it. But that will make it, it will be great for you to do something like that. And then how about outdoor lighting? 
And this goes for both your front and your back. It's really, really important to have lighting. You don't want anybody to fall, but also it's mood lighting. It is landscape lighting. It is, um, it's part of your hardscape. So you want to either get some solar uh, lamps that are very inexpensive and you did, they don't require any wiring. The only thing I don't like about solar is that the color is more on the blue side. So I find solar lights to be a little bit cooler and a little, and cooler, I mean, like not in a good way. I, because I personally like a yellow warm light as opposed to a blue cool light. And that's the only thing with solar. But for ease of use and for price points, you almost can't beat solar. The other thing that I use a lot are the um, string lights. And they have a wonderful warm glow. Of course, you can get the LED ones, and they're more on the blue side, too. Stay away from those. But the, um, the other ones, and they really look great. You can put them under a door jam and actually around your plants, and it kind of it puts a nice glow into the, um, the evening when, once it gets dark. And you want to just make sure people are able to see to get to their cars. And then getting to your backyard, if you could, you want to focus some lights on trees. If you have a beautiful tree or a beautiful plant, you know, get an up lamp so that it will shine on that and it will illuminate it at night. And again, those uh, string lights are really great for that if you have a balcony or a patio because you can just um, can just rope those around. They call them string lights or rope lights. They come in a big, they're plastic with a string of lights in front of them. And a lot of people just like to use Christmas lights, which is absolutely fine. So you want to light the way, and that's a um, that's always a good thing. And then um, don't forget to have a doormat, a welcome mat. Now, it can be anything that is enjoyable to you as long as people can wipe their feet we, in our household, we do not wear shoes. So we have people take their shoes off at the door, unless we're going, can be outside. And then, of course, we wear, we can wear shoes. Although I'm barefoot all the time. I just like being barefoot. But um, having a no-shoe policy in the house is an unbelievable way to keep your house clean and as well as your carpet. So much research has been done about the bacteria and debris that's in a house. And interestingly enough, most of it is from our shoes. And so our shoes are really dirty. So be careful about that. Then when she, once you get them in your house, it would be great to greet your guests with a beautiful bouquet of flowers. Now, I'm not a person to buy flowers because I'm a big gardener. And something that if you have even a small garden, you can get really good at making very simple flower arrangements from cuttings from your garden by just looking at the different plants that might go well together. There's so many things that you can do. You can do a cutting, you know, from from trees, whether it's a pine tree or a silk tree or whatever kind of tree, a pistache, anything that you have perhaps growing around. And even some weeds that what we call weeds or grasses can really add to a flower arrangement. So it's not like you have to have roses and you don't have to have the perfect bouquet. I just made a really gorgeous bouquet over the weekend and um, I made the, the vase was a teapot. And it's a teapot that I use that looks like a chicken. Well, it's actually a rooster. And it's such a pretty little teapot. And I used um, flowers from the garden that were all different colors. And some of the things I put in the teapot, most people would not even think of using in 
a, a flower arrangement, you know, such as some reeds and Italian, which are these stalks that have these orange bright seeds on them. And just mix and match, you know, with calendula. And um, I did put a couple of roses in there, but I also used herbs like sage and uh, fennel. And I used actually some pond weeds as well. And then just clipped a few different, I usually use three to five uh, a little snips of things to keep it consistent and made a really pretty arrangement, which is so nice. And then once you get your guests out to your patio or your balcony or your garden or whatever, don't forget to have some interesting drinks, either um, some kind of home concoction of a cocktail or wine or spritzer or prosecco, and if you don't um, if you don't drink alcohol, some kind of a, a great uh, juice um, is our a sparkling water are always good. I actually love to to get a watermelon and cantaloupe and blend it up and add sparkling water, and it is so delicious. So that's kind of a, a good fun thing to do. And then just have a couple of appetizers, sit back, relax, and enjoy your friends. And that when you do that, I think you're going to find that summer is just awfully fun, you know, when you are having your house is clean, it's inviting, and you have some friends that are coming over that are just hanging out with you. So those are just a couple of tips um, for getting your house uh, spruced up for summer entertaining. And, you know, uh, one another thing I just wanted to, to offer is, you know, vacuums are your friend. And just make sure, though, that if you have a vacuum that has a bag, that you empty it and uh, that you empty it and put a new one in often. And if it's a bagless but it does have a filter, you can clean those filters and soak them for overnight and let them dry in the sun or, or just dry before you use it again. But make sure that you do use your vacuum. So we'll get to take a quick break right now. And when we come back from break, we're going to have some hammock heaven. I'm Cynthia Bryan. You're listening to Star Style. Be the star you are. I will be back in a bit. So don't go away. We're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. This is the Empowerment Channel. Be the star you are. The star. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world. Lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR. 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 And visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan. www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. 
Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryant, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business Well, we are back, so thank you very much for staying with me. I am Cynthia Bryan, and this is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I failed to, um, to kind of do a shout-out at the top of the hour because this is really exciting. Uh, my eighth book, Be the Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, Celebrating Gifts of Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World that has 31 stellar contributors, is now published. And... It's not going to be available on the online sites probably for a couple of weeks, but if you are interested in getting a copy and getting an early copy, you can go to CynthiaBryan.com forward slash books and you will see it there or just CynthiaBryan.com. I'm really excited about it and the plan is uh, to get all of these, as many contributors as possible, on to Be the Star You Are, uh, Star Style, and Express Yourself throughout the year to uh, read their chapter, discuss what it meant to them and why they wanted to read it. But I think when you uh, see this book, you are going to be very impressed because, uh, first of all, we, we received many, many incredible endorsements from fantastic people. And I'll just read you this little short one that was that Devin Harris wrote, who is a three-time Jamaican bobsled Olympian. And he wrote, this book dispels the myth that millennials are entitled. They are empowered and the insights and wisdom they share from their personal experiences will inspire you. And that's what the book's about, is bridging the gap between millennials and boomers and taking a different view of the different generations, something that hasn't been in the news. So instead of lambasting everybody, we're actually, you know, raising up our positive voices as we do here every week at Star Style, Be the Star You Are. So we really hope that you will buy multiple copies, give them to your friends, take them to your businesses. Go to CynthiaBryan.com. 100% of the proceeds will benefit the literacy and positive media charity, Be the Star You Are, that uh, brings you this program and express yourself 100%. So that's uh, that's pretty great. This is a book that was written for, by, and with people who are dedicated to Be the Star You Are and who wanted to give back. So check it out. Go to CynthiaBryan.com. It'll also be available there at BeTheStarYouAre.org. So just check it out. So uh, while I was traveling in Southeast Asia, I was absolutely enthralled with all the multitude of hammocks that were hung everywhere. They were on balconies. They were under the eaves of storefronts. They were under houses built on stilts on the Mekong Delta. They were uh, like between trees over the river. <laughs> they were between 
um, poles just out in a field. They were in marketplace stalls. And there were even hammocks on these old rickety boats that looked like they were about to sink. Now, because of the intense heat and humidity that assaults life between noon and four in the afternoon in Southeast Asia, workdays begin very early in the morning. And then they just continue into around nine um, or 10 at night, but between the hours of noon and like 4 p.m., I guess, that's when the humidity and the heat is so bad, everybody gets in their hammocks and they take their a swinging siesta. Now, in the Amazon rainforest, my husband and I slept in hammocks covered by mosquito netting. And that was actually, besides just hammocks that I'd seen here in the United States, that was kind of my first introduction into sleeping in hammocks when you were out in the wilderness. Now, first hammocks date back to over a thousand years ago, and they were made from the bark of the hammock tree, that's spelled H-A-M-A-K, thus where the word hammock came from, from the hammock tree. Now, Christopher Columbus is credited with bringing hammocks back to Europe after his encounter with the Taino tribes because what they did is they tied the nets between trees for their slumber and for protection. Because hammocks were off the ground, there were less chance of getting bitten by insects, snakes, rats, or other creatures. My favorite hammock experience have always been at beaches, normally in tropical locales where hammocks are attached to swaying palm trees. doesn't matter if it's Hawaii or Tahiti or Bermuda or any of the islands of the Caribbean or even throughout the coastlines of Central or South America. I always scout the sand for the perfect rocking repose where I can read a book, take a nap, or just listen to the pounding waves while the birds chirp in paradise, and I just swing myself into relaxation. So it's summer, and summer is the perfect time to lounge around in a hammock under the shade, especially after a few hours of strenuous gardening. Swiss Research published a scientific explanation why hammocks are loved the world over, And it's probably not too hard to figure out. It's the gentle rocking motion of the hammock. What it does is it actually synchronizes brain waves that allow us to get to sleep quicker while attaining a very deep state of relaxation. So you often wonder why babies are quiet when they're being rocked. Well, it's because of that synchronization of the brain waves, and it's what we get as adults when we sit or swing in a hammock. Now, between my Japanese maples and my magnolia trees, I secured two very large double hammocks so that two people can be in in each hammock, that'd be four people, could enjoy the benefits of a summertime break. So I was talking to you at the top of the hour about preparing your house for some entertaining. Well, one of the ways for me is to get these hammocks ready. People just migrate to the hammocks because they are so comfortable. They're under the shade of the tree, but there's filtered sunlight. And there's just nothing, there's just nothing like swinging in a, in a hammock. So, you know, for me, I find it just to be a restful way to sway um, because I can smell the fragrance of my roses and lavender wafting around me. I watch the 
the butterflies and the bees darting throughout my flowers, and I listen to the sound of the breeze, and to the numerous crooning songbirds. Right now, I have African yellow golden finches, they're called, African, uh, South African golden finches, and they just sing like crazy and it was it's hard to spot them because they're so tiny but when you do you'll see there's a very pretty color of yellow although the females are this brownish color to fit in with the trees but they have swarmed my place and I haven't even put out the kind of food that they even like but somehow they like the food in my garden so that's fine with me. Well, hammocks are also really versatile because they are affordable super space savers. And they're very flexible and you can easily move them from place to place or you can store them. So I know that people even who have really small apartments might have a a couple of hooks or chains that are securely fastened to a wall or a ceiling and when they have a guest over they might uh, have these hammocks that they'll hang up and of course there are different kinds of hammocks so the ones that you can actually sleep in and there are ones that are just chair hammocks that you can just sit in and all of them are wonderful and if you like to camp they're just a perfect camping trip companion because again you can with ropes you can tie them around trees and and um uh, or you can you know hook them uh, on onto something if it's a truck or and i'm sure that most people have it already figured out but then i bought them these net hammocks in vietnam and what i liked about them is they pack into a small little ball and they're a heavy they're very heavy um uh, net, I guess, netting, yeah, so kind of a string, more than string, they're really, really heavy, so uh, it doesn't matter the size, but they're very, very sturdy, now, the cloth hammocks that I bought state uh, statewide, when I want to put them around, I have a cloth bag that I have to store them in, so I have to roll them up, and I store them in a cloth bag, so the net hammocks roll into this tiny little ball, and then the cloth hammocks, they roll into like a kind of one big roll that you put in a bag. So if traveling is not on your agenda for this summer, you might want to consider a staycation with the potential to transport your dreams to some exotic distant land by installing a hammock in your backyard. And then swaying in your hammock, you can be anywhere that your imagination will take you. So taking a a little phrase from, if you remember, MC Hammer, where it was like, hammer time. Well, it's hammock time. (laughs) Can't touch this. (laughs) So here are some uh, tips for gardening uh, at the moment. If you you have a little garden, and this will just kind of get you through the month, is uh, if you are traveling, there are private gardens throughout America that are open to visitors. And some of them are free. Others uh, do cause, uh, have a fee to them. And you can go to opendaysprogram.org, opendays, it's plural, program.org. And you can check for your state or the area if you're traveling to, and um, you'll probably find a place that you could visit. Make sure before you put on your boots or shoes that you leave outside, that you shake them out, dump them out, because you might have had an unwanted visitor take up residence inside and 
who might be interested in giving your toes a little nibble. I've had lizards, frogs, spiders, and more in my gardening boots. So (laughs) just make sure that you're always uh, tipping them upside down. The same is to be said for your mask and snorkel, by the way. If you are a person that snorkels, whether it be in lakes or the ocean or in your pool, uh, before you put that snorkel in your mouth, make sure you hose it out, shake it out, make sure that nothing has uh, is living in there. It's time to start perusing bulb catalogs to see what new bulbs are emerging for fall planting. Orders are needing to be placed before probably the end of the month because if you're going to order from a bulb catalog, they're going to ship in September. So you're going to need to plant, uh, I mean, not plant, you're going to need to plan and purchase any of your bulbs very soon. There is, if you are in near Santa Rosa, California, in September, September 11th through 13th, there is an internationally acclaimed heirloom or an organic heritage livestock, poultry, and more. It's America's largest celebration of all of this pure food, and it's called the National Heirloom Exposition. It really is pretty amazing. They have acclaimed speakers, exhibitors, um, major chefs, and it is uh, it is in Santa Rosa, California. You can find more information at theheirloomexpo.com. Now, if you're not eating a lot of watermelon, hey, I encourage you to eat watermelon. A standard slice provides one-third of your daily vitamins A and C, Plus, you're going to get lots of potassium and lipopene with only a 90-calorie bump. So the lycopene and potassium is very important for you. If you ever get leg cramps or you get those cramps when you're in the water swimming, it might be a lack of potassium. So just eat more watermelon. It is so good. And you can also do, as I said um, earlier in the broadcast, is you can blend up watermelon in your blender and just add some sparkling water. And it is such a refreshing summer drink. And I put a little squeeze of lemon. It's really great. If you have any irrigation pipes that are broken, make sure you repair them immediately. If you're noticing that your sprinklers don't have any pressure, Look for leaks because besides wasting water and the cost that you're going to incur, your garden could suffer without the proper amounts of H2O at this time of the year when temperatures are just really, really high. And call your electric company if uh, you're planning to dig deep holes so they can make sure that you're digging in a safe place. Uh, Depends where you are. Usually the number is 811 that you can call, but just call your, uh, you know, your electric and um, gas company to double check because you certainly don't want to dig and hit a hit some electrical wire. I actually had somebody do that once, and it was pretty scary um, until we got the electric- electricity turned off. Now, succession planting is in order if you like a continual crop of lettuces, carrots, beets, radishes, and corn. And what succession planting means is that every three weeks you plant more seeds in a different area so that, or you can plant them in the same area if you've been harvesting, but it's probably better to plant them in a different area. 
You can grow sunflowers that are going to attract bees and pollinators, and that will help with the termination of the bee apocalypse. You might have been reading about it, is that um, bees, besides honeybees, bees are dying by the multitudes, and they haven't quite figured out what is exactly happening, but there will be an entire colony of bees that will just um, abandon the beehives and be gone. And so they're calling it a bee apocalypse. So if you plant a a pollinator-friendly plants, you will attract some bees and you'll help stop this uh, termination of our bee population. Because if we don't have bees, we're not going to have pollination. And if we don't have pollination, we won't have fruits and vegetables and flowers and things that we need to survive Root cuttings from hydrangeas can expand your collection. So all you'll have to do is uh, cut a hydrangea on an angle, put it in some good potting soil, water it, and then watch it grow. If you'd like a simple indoor arrangement and you love roses but you have a small area, plant some miniature roses that pack a punch or you can go for pixie roses because they're very tiny. You can have them in a small pot and they do really, really well. And finally, just relax this summer with a hammock tied between two trees or poles or on your balcony or patio, you will be swinging to heaven and you will be just so happy that um, you are giving yourself this gift of relaxation. So I'm Cynthia Bryan. We're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about languages as well as child's hearing. And we might even get to brain on food. Don't go away. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. And during the break, visit bethestaryouare.org and check out what's happening for Operation Fire Disaster Relief. Back in a bit. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Working longer hours and working harder does not spell success. We may think it does, but it doesn't. You need to work with maximum effectiveness in order to be successful. When your personal and business life are in balance, you experience less conflict and definitely less stress. And then this balance allows you to become more effective and to get more work done in less time. So plan your work, work your plan. And when you love what you do, there's nothing hard about your career. If you find yourself working longer, get more organized, delegate the details, and don't procrastinate. Remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. That's CynthiaBryan with an I, dot com. Be the star you are, the star you The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. 
help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. bethestarur.org. Dare to care. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling out to me. Well, I want to say thank you, first of all, to Josh, my engineer. Every week he's working with me here and on Express Yourself, and he does such a great job. Thank you, Josh. He makes me sound good, and he's so great with all the cues, and plus he's super friendly and super cool. So I want to talk about kids learning languages and why it's easier for them. You know, we all, so many of us, I mean, I really like talking, obviously. I'm on the radio. Um, It's kind of funny because when I was a child, I got in trouble a lot for talking. They used to call me Chatty Cathy, but even though my name was Cynthia, only because it seemed like I always had something to say. And um, (laughs) so I would get in trouble, have to put my nose in a circle on the blackboard. And so we laugh about it, especially when I visit teachers today, to know that I make my uh, living by speaking and radio and coaching and talking, which is kind of good, which brought me to learning languages. So I always figured if I was going to talk to people, I should be talking to them in their own language. And... It's not always so easy to learn a language. And, you know, I think it's tricky. It doesn't matter how old you are, but the older you get, it seems to be a little bit tough. Well, there's a new study that scientists have actually pinpointed the exact age at which your chances of reaching fluency in a second language seem to plummet. Guess what number that is? Number 10. When you're 10, and you know, I grew up in my family, we were, or we are Italian, but my parents didn't want us to learn Italian because they were immigrants, obviously, and they wanted to assimilate, they wanted to speak English. And uh, so as a child, my English wasn't very proper. Uh, I knew all the bad words in Italian, but we didn't know very many of the regular words. But then I decided I really, as I got older, I wanted to learn it. Well, the study published in the journal Cognition found that it's nearly impossible for language learners to reach a native level fluency if they start learning a second language after the age of 10. And it's not because the language skills go downhill. It turns out you still can learn fast, you know, or as fast as or before. It's just that you run out of time because your ability to learn actually starts dropping around 17 or 18 years. And so 
people who start a few years after age 10 may still become quite good at a language, but they're unlikely to become absolutely fluent. And kids may be better than adults at learning new languages for a lot of reasons. First of all, children's brains are more plastic and more elastic than those of adults, meaning that they're better able to adapt and respond to new information. And all learning involves changes in the brain. And so children's brains just seem to be more adept at changing. And kids may be also more willing to try new things and to potentially look foolish in the process than adults are. Their comparatively new grasp on their native language may also be advantageous. Unlike adults who tend to default to the rules and patterns of their first language, kids may be able to approach a new one with a blank slate. And, you know, and I can speak to that where it, when I was uh, 15, so that's five years older than 10, I was an exchange student to Mexico because I wanted to learn Spanish. And the only way to, for me is to really learn a language well is really total immersion. I don't really think that you can learn that much in the classroom. You can learn a bit, but you're not going to get fluent in it. And so that was at 15. And then when I was 18, I was in Holland. But I will tell you, even at those ages, my tendency was to kind of transcribe in my brain from English to Spanish or to Dutch. And I remember doing that with all the different languages I began to learn. So it is kind of discouraging what the scientists found, but they do say that to learn during that critical period for fluent language acquisition, it might be longer than previously thought. So scientists believe that the window begins to close literally shortly after birth. So that really makes me sad. While others did stretch it to early adolescence, but compared with those estimates, age 17 or 18, when language uh, learning ability drops off, 17 or 18 seems, you know, like, okay, that seems to be the time when we actually start wanting to learn another language, not when the time when we're supposed to be ending. So for this particular study that was published in the journal Cognition, I found this really fascinating. What the researchers did is they created an online quiz, and they promised to guess people's native language, their dialect, their home country, based on their responses to English grammar questions. And at the end of the quiz, people entered their actual native language, and if and when they had learned any others, and where were the parts of the world where they had lived. The quiz went viral on the internet. You know, it's sort of the dream of all of us to create something that goes viral, right, in a positive way. So 650,000 people took the quiz. So that gave the researchers just huge amounts of data from English speech, uh, speakers of many ages, many backgrounds, some who were born here and some who were not native speakers. And they were able to analyze the responses and the grammar mistakes allowed them to draw these unusually precise conclusions about language learning. Now, the findings also offer insights for adults that were hoping to pick up a new, uh, new tongue because people fared better when they learned by immersion, as I was just saying. And what that means is that instead of just going into a classroom or taking a class or taking an online course, you actually move to the country and you don't talk your native language. You just, you know, go 
head first and you just deal with people there. And um, that is really the best way. I know for me, I made every mistake in the book. I, I made translations that turned out to be really naughty translations that, you know, in English were completely acceptable, but in another language were not. So at least you have to learn to laugh at yourself. But not everybody's going to be able to move to another country. And if you can mimic an immersive environment by finding a way to have conversations with native speakers in their own communities, then it might be possible to become at least conversationally proficient, even if you don't have a child's brain. So if you want to learn Korean and you can't go to Korea, at least go immerse yourself in Koreatown and spend a lot of time there and see what ends up happening And maybe you will be able to learn a language. I just received a photo of um, my son on his uh, tractor, on a big caterpillar tractor is building a road. And he has his uh, one-year-old daughter asleep in his lap. And she is wearing these, you know, earbuds in there for the noise. And so um, a lot of the kids, if, I mean, I was just at another place. It seems everybody walks around with earbuds and they're listening to music or something. And so people are wondering, are kids losing their hearing because of earbuds? Now, it is estimated that 20% of children have permanent hearing loss, and that's caused mostly by exposure to loud noise. And this is from the Hearing Health Foundation. However, listening to music with earbuds doesn't seem to be a major loss of hearing unless it's super, super loud um, music. The common exposures to loud noise are much more likely to hurt your child's ears. And this I found hard to believe, but it said most kids lose hearing from recreational shooting and from hunting than from loud music. I don't know that many kids that do recreational shooting or hunting, but I suppose in certain parts of the country that is the case. So, But it's not to say that earbuds are safe because if you are playing loud music, then you're definitely damaging your hearing. So if you have kids or you're around kids and they hear ringing in their ears, Uh, when they pull out the buds, or if the world just sounds a little bit muffled, that's a sure sign that you need to turn down the volume and that your hearing might be suffering. So make sure to check that out and, um, and don't, you know, don't allow that to happen. Now, science is also um, talking about why your brain is bad at silent consent. So the reason for this, you know, we have this, the Me Too movement going on now, which it's uh, long overdue, but of course it probably can get blown out of proportion. But um, the human brain is wired so that people see what they believe, and it's a predictive organ. So it means it's constantly guessing what's going to happen next. And because of this, face and body movements aren't an actual language that always convey consent, rejection, and emotion in general. What happens is um, that two brains can perceive the same events very differently. And to two different people, both of their perceptions are true. But perhaps none none of them are. So research from 
labs are showing that your mood can influence what you see. So when you feel good, other people look really attractive. They seem more trustworthy. They're appealing. It's just human nature to sometimes see the world through these rose-colored glasses. So sometimes when there are um, accusations of sexual misconduct and both sides are insisting that the encounter was either consensual or non-consensual, maybe neither person is lying. They just might be suffering from an error of this active inference of the brain where the brain is bad at being silent. Miscommunication happens, but it's never an excuse. I mean, it's never an excuse for an assault or harassment or rape or any of that. I'm not making any excuse. But the lesson I think we have to take away from our brain is that it is important to use your voice, to use words, because when you use words, it is less likely that you're going to be misunderstood. So, you know, when you meet, when you say no, smile means no. Now, if you can relate to um, this scenario, I know I can. Have you ever picked, you know, got it in a pint of ice cream and you think I'm just going to have a couple of bites and then half an hour later or 10 minutes later, all of a sudden you're looking and you've hit the bottom of the whole thing. You ate the whole thing and you think to yourself, oh my goodness, if I just had more willpower, right? Well, it turns out you can't be hard on yourself because you're up against a couple hundred thousand years of human evolution combined with a food industry that's bent on exploiting your most powerful instincts. Of the 2.6 million years since our genus of Homo emerged, Homo sapiens, we were hunter-gatherers for 99.5% of it, and we've been only subsistence farmers for 0.5%, and we've been industrialized for less than 0.008% of that. So our current food system is less than a century old. It's not nearly enough time for humans to genetically adapt to the radical changes that have occurred. And researchers believe that this evolutionary mismatch is why we suffer from such high rates of lifestyle-related disorders, you know, where we think that we're too fat, too thin, whatever. So, um, there is there are obesity researchers and neurobiologists that have found um, the that micronutrient debate, you know, carbs versus protein versus fat, they just kind of put them to the wayside because our brains are the ones that are in control of our appetite and our eating. Essentially, there are two systems in action in the brain. One that exists in places like the prefrontal cortex, where our conscious, rational, and enlightened thinking takes place. And that would be like, Eat, eat broccoli, eat Brussels sprouts, eat more kale, you know, all the good stuff that's for you. And there's one that operates from areas that are in the basal ganglia where our calorie craving instincts reside. Eat more ice cream, <laughs> eat potato chips. Scientists have come to understand that the instinctual part of our brain, in part by studying lampreys. Now, why lampreys? They're looking at lamprey brains. It illuminated the fundamental circuitry involved in less conscious decision-making. So here's what they know. 
thanks to recent neuroscience research, 560 million years after the common ancestors of humans and lampreys diverged, our highly evolved brains are still heavily influenced by the same core operating system. It's like the computer just hasn't updated itself. We are driven to consume sugar, salt, and fat because that's where the most calories are. And why did we want that? Well, because if you had the most calories, you were able to stay alive. So the dichotomy raises that unique challenge of figuring out how to manage our diet in an environment that has shifted relatively abruptly from scarcity to abundance and to throttle back on sweets and all that. We've just struggled so much, but we shouldn't be surprised about it. So since these guidelines were released, the number of items in an average grocery store have increased dramatically from 15,000 to nearly 40,000. And many of those products now come out of sophisticated food labs. And they're now infamous, you know, they have this uh, bliss point that combines the craving and it promotes it. So we're really in trouble if we go that. So what are we to do about all this irresistible food that has a grip on us? Well, we have to um, start thinking differently. So the key to rewiring our brain is to make adjustments to your environment. Don't If you um, don't want to eat out of the house, you should empty your cabinets your fridge, and freezer of junk foods that tend to spark binge eating, and choose foods that send strong safety signals to the brain. So have foods that are higher in protein and fiber like meat and fish and avocados and veggies and potatoes. Eliminate cravings and overeating. Try to avoid foods that present highly palatable combinations of salt, sugar, and fat. And get sleep because that is going to help you the most. And you don't have to crush yourself at the gym. Just get some regular movement. And then stress less. And, you know, you might want to even meditate a little bit. So that might even help. Well, that's our show for today. It was lifestyle and language and a brain fix. So I hope that you were able to have a couple of takeaways from it. Thank you for joining me every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific here on Voice America Network, the Empowerment Channel. On this program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. For more information about the charity and our Operation Fire Disaster Relief, visit bethestarur.org. For information about Star Style Productions or the new books that are out, visit cynthiabryan.com. We hope that you have been encouraged, inspired, informed, amused, motivated, and that you will read a book this week. And I hope that you're going to order Be the Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers. Until next week when we celebrate again, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan. You've been listening to Star Style. I thank you and encourage you to be the star you are. Let's get together next Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m., right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. Have a great week. Thanks a lot. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are. 
It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are.